What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into Go Fight Win, the show with all the high school football stories you love. On this episode, I'll speak with Booger McFarland, the best nickname we've had on the show by far. He'll talk to me about Frito Pies and Role Models. Sounds like a Dwight Yoakam album, but it isn't. It's his real-life story, plus a real-life high school football mascot deep dive. Oh, yeah, we're getting back into that out of the state of Sacramento. Plus, amazing high school football headlines from around the country, including an NIL deal that was hot and spicy until it wasn't, another offensive lineman with some pipes, and a California neighborhood that can't handle the lights. It's time for Go Fight Win. Stop walking through my drill. Oh yeah, it's time for Go Fight Win. This is episode six. We got six on the board. Is it two field goals? Is it a touchdown with a failed PAT or a failed two-point conversion? I don't know, but we we got six. All right, we made it to six, and that's all that counts right now. Maybe we'll get an extra point up there next week. Maybe we'll go for two and make it to eight in a couple weeks. Lord's willing, we'll see what happens. Uh, Before we get into some great high school football headlines, let's do a little housekeeping. Hope y'all hit like and subscribe on this wherever you're watching or listening. Brand new, relatively speaking. Still getting our feet wet a little bit here. So help it grow and do your part. Hit like and subscribe and tell someone about it. Leave a comment and share what you like about this show that just shares great high school football stories. That's all we're here for. Nothing major. Not trying to be heroes. Not trying to blow up the play on scout team. Just having fun. If you like the show, if you like Coffee Town football, well, good news for you. You can wear Coffee Town apparel. Go to gocoffeetown.com. Check out the team store. You can see this hat on my head. Coffee Town varsity football. We also got the Coffee Town snake script. 
with a little snake eye in there for the Copperheads. Is it a football logo? Is it baseball? Is it a chess team? It's whatever you want it to be. A little bit more generic. But you can wear it on your hat. You can wear a shirt, a hoodie, a sweatshirt, crew neck. Those are popular right now, let me tell you. So are coffee mugs. Those haven't gone out of style since people made them for the first time. So go to gocoffeetown.com, wear it, sip out of it, rep it. First headline we got comes from the great state of Alabama. Is it a great state to you? It depends on if you live there or not. But it comes from AL.com. Here's the first story. Alabama high school forfeits football game over gift cards to players. So here's what happened. Class 7A, that's big boy football now, Tuscaloosa County forfeited its week two football victory against Bessemer City. Two players received gift cards for their win in week one over Central Tuscaloosa. They had a good game. They played well. They got gift cards to Buffalo Wild Wings. Seems fair, right? It's what this country was founded upon, one of its core tenets in the Constitution. You excel at what you do. You get free meat. You earn some food. You get some celery. You get some sauce. You're a high school kid. You're not breaking the bank on a tab at the bar, just a little bit of a little bit of meat, some chicken wings, boneless, some tenders maybe. Or maybe you're going bone in. You got them sauced up. We're going through some inflation. A chicken is a little bit more expensive than it used to be. But I think generally speaking, if you've played high school football or played high school sports, or if you knew anybody who worked at a local wing joint, you probably got hooked up with some free food at one point, one time or another. Well, this wasn't free. These kids paid for it with their sweat and their blood and taking Central Tuscaloosa to task. They beat them up, okay? Well, uh, the players that received those gift cards played against Bessemer City the next week, and Tuscaloosa County won 55-13. So now this is where we're in trouble. AHSAA Executive Director Alvin Briggs sent a memo to a bunch of People, the principals, athletic directors, and said, y'all can't do that. Uh, the NCAA's NIL does not apply to current high school student athletes. And no one really knows what the NCAA's NIL applies to anyway. It's so vague. It might apply to high school athletes. There's no way to really know for sure. But what Alabama is saying is, you know, unless you're an Alabama Crimson Tide football player, Auburn football player, by God, you're not getting free chicken wings. So the players got in trouble, and they had to forfeit their win. A 55-33 win, pretty decisive. And I'll tell you, um, I don't think this is right. I know this is an NIL thing, and people want to be heroes about that and, and make their own rules out here. It's kind of the Wild West. But let the kids have their chicken wings. And here's the kicker. They didn't even use the gift cards. The players did not even cash them in. They didn't get around to it yet. They just had them in their wallet or whatever, and they got in trouble. So I guess there's somebody out there on Facebook, some team mom that was very vigilant, diligent from Bessemer City maybe. Someone else in the region saw that the players were the Buffalo Wild Wings, chicken wing, spicy players of the week, and they said, hey, oh, oh, that's illegal. They got them, got them to forfeit the win. I don't know who these players are. It's uh, They're anonymous. But I'll say this. If y'all hear this, 
hit me up. And when you're no longer a high school football athlete, you got two Buffalo chicken, Buffalo wild wings, chicken gift cards on me. Okay. Courtesy of the uh, audience here at Go Fight Win. We'll hook y'all up. Okay. Cause this wasn't right. And in a lot of ways, this was like a real Buffalo wild wings ad. You know, you've seen them. You, they got people back there pulling levers. You pay them the right amount of money. You order enough chicken wings, they'll pull a little switch and make the ref fall in a hole in the field. And this is quite literally a hole in Tuscaloosa's football season. Someone's back there saying, uh, we can't have this on our watch. Those birds are not for those boys. Okay. They're going to have to earn those birds. So we're putting their win right there in a hole in the ground. It's not right. And uh, I will make it right if anyone ever hears this that knows who these players are. All right. uh, That one was a little controversial. This one is not. Last week, we had the starting guard had that story about the kids singing the national anthem in the booth. Well, he's been one-upped. He's been one-upped by Northside Christian Schools, Big Whiskey Jensen. Woo! What a nickname. This show has the best nicknames by far. We got Big Whiskey. We got Booger coming up. Jameson Jensen is a 6'4", 290-pound offensive lineman out of St. Petersburg, Florida, and he has some pipes. He DM'd me, and he said that he got the nickname because his first name is Jameson, and his quarterback coach, not his quarterback coach, but the team's quarterback coach, instantly gave him the nickname Jameson. I appreciate y'all sending this in to the Go Coffee Town X account. So check him out here. He's got a teammate back there too on the, uh, is that a sousaphone? It's like a giant trumpet. I don't know if that's a trombone or a tuba. But that's not all Big Whiskey does. All right, so here he is singing the national anthem. Whiskey, watch it. Big Whiskey's coming through. Get that mic, son. Get back to work now. Get your helmet. Like the singing out there, but it's time to play. Hey, get out of the way. Don't you know who you're messing with here? That's Big Whiskey. Show some respect. Good job, Big Whiskey. I know you're a miner, so we can't really do a whole lot with that Big Whiskey nickname. Strong. 100 proof. Big Whiskey. Getting it done. Feel the buzz from Big Whiskey. Next story uh, across the country, Sacramento, California. Neighbors protest plans to light up Jesuit High School's football stadium. Give me a break. This is from CBS News Sacramento. It's an unusual sight at Jesuit High School's Marauder Field. 
the football team playing a game under Friday night lights. The school had to bring in temporary fixtures and get a special permit from the county to play a night game. I mean, they had chandeliers in there just to go play ball. This is what's right to do for kids, said Chris Alling, president of Jesuit High. The president. So uh, the school wants to install permanent stadium lights. I don't know if y'all have ever been to Sacramento or not. It gets pretty hot out there. It gets pretty toasty. And as the temperatures rise out there, they can't really play earlier on in the day. They got to play at night. And, you know, if you've ever been to a high school football game, when does that usually take place? At night. It's not Friday afternoon lights. It's not Friday lunchtime lights. The sun is not a Friday night light. They got real lights in there. Well, the president here says that field temps can be in the range of 140 to 150. That's really, really hot, said Alling. He's smart. He knows his temperatures for sure. And you know, those field temps, if you think that's an exaggeration, on that turf, it bakes and the heat doesn't really go anywhere. It just stays there. And before you know it, you've sweated out of your body. You've just become a puddle. You're gone. No one knows you anymore. You've evaporated. So they got to get the lights so they can play at night. But get this, according to this story here from CBS, neighbors who live near the campus are protesting the plan. Our family room and dining room are flooded with light, said neighbor Kelly Hughes. They're also concerned about the increased noise and traffic at night. Any of these people given any thought to the impact that this has on our homes, on our peace, on our lives, said neighbor Miriam Smitherman. The impact on your life is that you'd probably be a lot happier and a lot less miserable if you went out and saw the football game. You'd probably enjoy your life a little bit more. That would probably be the impact on your life. Your family room and dining room are flooded with light. Well, congratulations. You don't have to turn on your lights anymore. You don't have to pay as high uh, on your bills, for your power bills, because you got natural light right there from the football stadium. Here's an idea. Move. Just move. You moved into the neighborhood knowing that there was a high school football field. You knew that people were going to be playing games over there, making noise. Uh, maybe it's not for you. The principal or the president is a good dude. He just He's just trying to make sure that the school is a good neighbor. Right? I think if you're providing free electricity and free lighting for the people in the neighborhood, that is being a good neighbor. They're thinking about these people who are not thinking about them. They're not concerned for them. They're not helping them out any, not compromising. You know, they make blackout curtains. You know, close your eyes. You ever think about that? Put on one of those little eye masks and go to sleep. It's probably just what you want to do anyway because you don't want to have fun on a Friday night. I've never sat there and thought on a Friday night, man, I just want to sit alone in the dark. Let me tell you this. The people in this neighborhood do not care about being good neighbors for the kids. They want them to go out there and melt. That's what they're saying. Let them go out there and evaporate in the 140 degree temperatures because we don't want them to have lights. Our family room and dining room are flooded with light. Imagine what it's like going to be like at night. How am I supposed to put my infant to sleep? Oh, okay. You're having trouble putting your infant to sleep? Let them sleep during the daytime. Infants don't know what time it is. 
they can sleep literally any time. And it's interesting to see because, you know, it's California. This wouldn't be happening in Alabama or in St. Petersburg, Florida. They'd be out there with their car lights running the running the engines. Like, uh, remember the Titans. Let's light this field up for the boys so they can play. I don't even have a son on the team, you know. But let's light this thing up. Hey, kids, grab the flashlights. You too, infant. You can hold one. I'll hold you while I hold a different flashlight. We're going to bring as much light as we can. Uh, the Jesuit school is just trying to, they got a little light, you know. They're going to let it shine. They got a big old light and they're going to let it shine too. Literally and figuratively. So let them play. If y'all don't like the lights, shut your eyes. That's why God gave us eyelids. Shut them. Oh, look at that. It's not as bright anymore. Oh, open them. I'll go watch the football game. I just can't I can't imagine just wanting to let a kid melt. Your kid, yeah, your kid can't sleep, but hey, guess what? He's not melting. You ever think of that? All right, I'm fired up about that one. Let's have one last little bonus story here that's that's all right. It's not as controversial, maybe. This is also from Florida, Manatee County. Willie Lowry, this is from Fox 13. Robots invading football fields lend a helping hand. Say, even in in Florida, the robots want to help. People don't want to help you in California. They don't want to help the kids get the lights. But the robots in Florida do want to help. Make me kind of change my mind on all this, this AI stuff. Willie Lowry has spent the past 40 years working for the Manatee County School District. Much of that time has been spent on the county's football and baseball fields, making sure every foul line, yard line, and hash mark was perfect. I started painting football fields back in 1996 and 97, Lowry said. So you can take it from there. I've been painting a lot of football fields. This guy is the Michelangelo of yard marks. These days, Willie Lowry's canvas is the football field at the Parish Community High School. His artist brush, however, recently got a big upgrade. Check it out. It's like a little Wally. It's got wheels, got a paintbrush, got a head, some sort of armor on it. And Willie's just there controlling that thing. I was totally amazed at what the robot was doing, and I got really excited, said Lowry. I thought that this was really, really going to cut back on a lot of time. It might cut back on time, but it might actually take more time. I think that's kind of what we're learning about these robots. We think they're going to make our lives easier. But if that robot messes up the paint, you got first down issues, you make the football field a little bit longer, shorter than it should be. Then all of a sudden, Willie's out of a job, and guess who isn't? The robot, because they're just going to tinker with the robot, and they're going to say, Willie, you should have fixed that, man. This is your paintbrush. We trusted you. But I trust that Willie will figure it out. Uh, He says, I named it Little Willie. Lowry proudly proclaims. I'd be proud of that, too. They call me Big Willie, so I named the robot Little Willie. 
Now it's Little Willie's job to make sure the field at Parish Community High is ready for the bright lights of Friday night. I'll imagine that. He actually gets to paint under the lights. I wouldn't trade this for nothing. This is what's going on right here, said Lowry. Big Willie's fired up. Sometimes Little Willie has a mind of his own now, joked Lowry. Yeah. We know. People know about that. At the same time, Willie Lowry couldn't imagine a better helping hand than Little Willie. This is just touching. Man and machine combining for paint on the field. Big Willie, Little Willie, Big Whiskey. What a team down there in Florida. Old Big Willie missed an opportunity to name his little friend there, Wheelie Nelson. Little Willie. Causing all kinds of problems if you don't watch him. He's just an angel flying too close to the ground. From Florida to Sacramento, we got a high school football mascot that's talking way faster than everybody else. All right, doing another uh, mascot spotlight this week. The Coffee Town mascot all-stars out of the state of South Carolina. Buddy, Tom Hart tweeted recently, random game prep question. Is Mullins High School Auctioneers the best high school nickname in the state of South Carolina, or is it just me? Well, I told Tom that we'd investigate, and I can't confirm or deny if it's the best high school name in the state of South Carolina. I know we had Ryan McGee on in the first episode of this show talking about the Devil Dogs. But I will enlighten you about the auctioneer's mascot name. Where did it come from? What's it about? Well, this is courtesy of Max Preps. They honor fast talkers at Mullins High School, the Mullins Auctioneers. There's not even really alliteration to it. It doesn't really make sense at first until you learn the backstory. The mascot name at the school was Tornadoes until a need for new uniforms and equipment arose. You can't go by the tornadoes anymore. You got to start fresh. That storm rolls through and it's served its purpose. The tornadoes are gone now. Let's move on to the auctioneers. One of the coaches lobbied local tobacco warehouse men and got the funding. So he decided to honor them by changing the name to auctioneers I'm going to keep going because I don't understand the connection. A reference to how tobacco is sold by some growers. A guy hollering words at rapid fire pace isn't very easy to make a logo from. So the school uses an Indian warrior as its logo. We're all over the board here with the auctioneers. They used to be tornadoes. They got donations from tobacco salesmen. But because of their past selling tobacco, they are apparently auctioneers, and they're also Native Americans. Look, guys, my head's in a blender right now just like yours is. So to answer Tom's question, is it the best mascot in the state of South Carolina? I'm going to say yes, because to me, a mascot doesn't just have to be something that makes sense. It doesn't just have to be something you can touch or identify with or think about. Sometimes a mascot is just what's in your heart and it's just what's in your past. 
And clearly Mullins has a lot in its past that it's trying to figure out and work through. But they're loyal to their past. They're not just the tobacco men. You know, Native Americans weren't the only people that smoked tobacco. You got uh, people who drive trucks. They smoke cigarettes. You got people who are grandmas that say they could quit whenever they want, but they also say it's the secret to their success in life and why they've lived to the age of 94 because they're smoking every day. I don't endorse that. Can't confirm or deny that that is true. Auctioneers smoke tobacco too. And apparently there's some pretty good fundraisers out there. So go auctioneers. I don't really know. I, I set out to try to understand more about you and I now understand less. You're just a spiritual force to be reckoned with. Some sort of shapeshifter. You know, you, you, we make fun of Auburn for having two mascots, the War Eagles and the Tigers. The auctioneer's got a little bit of everything. All right, Booger McFarlane. What a guy. What a nickname. What a past playing Louisiana high school ball. He's going to tell us all about it. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. 
I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our guest is a first-team All-American out of LSU, a two-time Super Bowl champ, and now he crushes it at ESPN. But more importantly than all of that, he was a machine at Winsboro High School in Louisiana. He is Booger McFarlane. What's up, my man? What's up, buddy? How we doing? Doing great. Uh, you know, I, I got to ask you the question about your nickname because we're big on nicknames here on this show, and uh, there are typically some really good ones on high school football teams. How did Booger stack up? with some of the other nicknames with guys you played with on your team? Uh, it was a, up there. You know, there was a guy we called – he had a big head. We called him Head. Um, there was a guy uh, – there was a catfish. Uh, there was Booger. So, yeah, it was kind of – it was right there in the mix depending on uh, who heard it and what part of the country they were from. I read that when you got to LSU, you were hoping that people would start calling you by your Christian name – but that didn't really work out. Why did you want to shed that after high school? Well, because of how I got it. Like I, I got that nickname. My sister gave it to me when I was like two years old. Like she was eight and I was two. And and of course, I didn't realize it at the time. But as I got older, more people started to call me that, um, you know, because she heard it from my mom and then she used it. And then as the story goes, anytime that I, I would pick on her, or she got upset. She would or try to make me upset. She would say booger, booger, booger. And I, I used to hate it. And then finally in high school, man, it was like, that's all people called me. Like nobody ever called me Anthony. And I'm like, great. Going to LSU, uh, new start, new chapter, going to be Anthony on campus. And the very first game, man, at LSU as a freshman, because I started as a freshman, the the guy comes on and says, tackle made by Booger McFarland. And I turn and look to the press box. I'm like, how in the heck did he find that out? And, <laughs> and, and, and at that point, man, I just kind of embraced it. Um, it turned out to be kind of cool because, I mean, there were a lot of, you know, Kevins and Johns and Tims and Rons and all that. But Booker was kind of unique. And so I, I think it kind of helped me um, stand out a little bit, you know, especially when I as a freshman when I was trying to figure out how to play. And then even beyond that, man, when I first started at the SEC Network in 2014, um, the guy comes in my ear and says, how would you like us to font you? I'm like, I don't know what that means. He's like, how would you like your name to appear on the screen? I was like, Booger. And he was like, okay, then, here we go. Uh, because most people recognize me and call me Booger. If you call me Anthony, that means you don't know me and you're trying to get my attention, and usually I won't respond. <laughs> that, that might mean you're in trouble. Uh, so tell me about Winsboro, man. What was that like? What was that community like in Growing up, what was your association with uh, the high school football team and your goals to play for them? Well, man, growing up, um, I, I never wanted to play football. I started playing football at 13, and the only reason was is that we lived across the street from the stadium. And, you know, when daylight savings times happen or happened in the fall and it's 530 and it's dark outside, I used to see them practicing. And I'm like, hmm. Okay, my mother wants me to be in the house when the streetlight comes on, but those kids and those guys over there, they're still out there practicing. Okay, so here's a way for me to kind of work around the whole be in the house when the streetlight came on. So I started playing football. 
didn't know anything about it. I mean, of course I've heard of it, but I didn't know the ins and outs of it. And, uh, you know, I played when I was 13. I get to high school. And my freshman and sophomore year, I was terrible. I, I rode the pine, uh, played freshman and JV ball. And then all of a sudden, my junior year, man, it kind of clicked. Uh, the aggressiveness, uh, the, the will, all that stuff came out. And, and it was a way for me to be different. I mean, I was a short – I say short. I mean, I was six – when I was 13 – just to add a, add a little context, I was six foot two seventy five at thirteen years old. Well, by the time I got to be a junior in high school, I was I was six one. I was two hundred ninety pounds, and and I kind of filled out a little bit, but I could run, man. Like I could run, and the athleticism and the perseverance started to come out, and 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 the more it came out, the better I got. And for a short little fat kid with a little afro and buck teeth, uh, to be good at something kind of built my self esteem, man. And I'm like, okay, I'm good at this. And so you want to continue to do things you're good at. And so I started playing, man, and the scholarship offer started to come. But um, it all started with a will to stay out past when the streetlight came on. But Winsboro's a small town, man. Like, Winsboro's 3,500 people. A Friday night in Winsboro when I grew up was we didn't have a movie theater. We didn't have, like, a huge restaurant. Kids would literally borrow their parents' cars and go to the local Walmart, park in the parking lot, turn the music on, just kind of hang out. And of course, come with some of them and have a couple beers. The local police didn't bother us, bother us until like after midnight. But like at nine or ten o'clock, we would go up there and just hang out in the parking lot for a couple, three hours, playing music and just relax because there was nothing else to do. And so it was a really, really small town. Um, I see. Let me see. One, two. There are seven streetlights in the whole town. <laughs> and. Um, so there's, it, it's, it's a small, quaint community. It's changed over the years, though. So to say it was a culture shock. When I went to visit campuses, and even when I got to LSU and was there every day, uh, it would be an understatement. Yeah, when that first Walmart comes in, man, I mean, the whole town shuts down for that. Man, you've never seen anything like when the Walmart comes in. And then when they go from Walmart to Super Walmart, where now we have groceries, oh, I mean, you would have you thought they built the biggest, like the mall of uh, Minneapolis. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a game changer. I love that, man. Your your desire just to stay out past your curfew got you on the football field. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your rival and, and your mascot and team colors. What was kind of the the universe of Winsboro? Uh, Winsboro Wildcats, uh, black and gold. Um, of course, this was back in the days of Russell Athletic. There was no Nike, and it was Russell Athletic with the jersey with the big holes in them. Yep. Um, our big rivals were like we in Winsboro, they don't have count in Louisiana, they don't have counties, they have parishes. Right. And so we were in Franklin Parish. And so the rivals were, were the ones in the parish. You had Wisner, uh, Gilbert, Crowville, uh, Ravel was a little rival. Uh, we we were a little south of Monroe. I'm sure you've heard of West Monroe, Louisiana, where uh, big powerhouse football, Washington, Jamie Spencer, Cam Robinson, like a bunch of players have come out of Monroe, but we're kind of a small town, so uh, it kind of hurt us a little bit because in our parish, there were eight high schools. And so we had a lot of players, but they were spread out. There were three or four or five at each school. Now, years later, it consolidated and became Franklin Parish High School. So all the athletes now have to go to one school. And oh, Winsboro, wow. um, and so the football team is a lot better. The basketball team is a lot better. Whereas when I went to school, we had 35 guys on the football team. I played both ways. I started at left guard. At right defensive tackle, I made all state both ways. I never came off the field except on kickoff 
kickoff return, punt, punt return. That was the only time I came off the field. What number did you wear? 64. Uh, no, there was no nothing special behind the number. Uh, I, I think when I when I first got there, it was a number they handed out. And I stuck with it. Like it, again, it was just playing football. It wasn't about the number. It wasn't about Instagram. Like none of that stuff was around. It was just a kid playing football with the jersey that was too big, playing with his boys. Happened to be good at it. And like a typical high school um, athlete, like your best friends are the guys that are on your team because you spend so much time with them. And you know, we had a band, and of course, we had cheerleaders and. Some of the football team dated some of the cheerleaders. Like, it, it's no different. Like, it's a small school. It was um, – it's it, it's like Friday Night Lights. It's not as big as some of the things you see on TV, but it, it's, the, it's, it's the quintessential Friday Night Lights. Everybody in the town comes. Um, everybody hangs out. Uh, there's nothing like the smell of, of, of hamburgers and hot dogs. There's nothing like – I'm, I'm, I'm going to see if you know anything about this, Wes. If you ever had an old school like Frito pie where they take the bag of Fritos, open it oh, yeah. up, put the chili and cheese, and they give you a spoon, and you just eat the Frito pie out of the bag. Like, that's high school football at its core, man. I mean, that's a pregame meal for some teams, you know. <laughs> Break that thing out. Yeah. There's really nothing like a cheeseburger, though, off of one of those grills that they haven't cleaned in, like, four months. Yeah. And it's all charred up, but a lot of flavor in those, buddy. A lot of flavor. Yeah. <laughs> they put it in that foil, though, man. That cheese is melted just a little bit. Get a little ketchup and mustard on there. Like, that's hey, a better I still, than you're going to get. E- even to this day, my daughter's a cheerleader at Berkeley Prep, which is, I- I'm sure you remember when Tom Brady came to Tampa, he was thrown at this high school and there was a helicopter flying over Brady thrown at the high school. Well, that's, the, that's Berkeley Prep. So that's the high school my daughter goes to. And there's still nothing better. I get to the game probably mid-first quarter. She's being a cheerleader, so I'm paying attention. But I'm also watching football. I go to the concession stand right, be- right before halftime, grab a couple of cheeseburgers, grab a-, a pack of peanuts and a bottle of water, and I go sit in the end zone, man. I watch my daughter watch football. Uh, that's kind of – it's still nothing like it. I still get a satisfaction. But now for me, you know, not to digress a little bit, but now – I see what everybody else saw while I was playing. So when you're playing, it's like, mm, I'm, I'm, I'm in this little world where now I look around and there's so many things going on at a high school football game. Like you got the group of kids that are, that are younger siblings. They're off on the side field. They're playing grab ass or whatever. They're throwing the football around. You got the parents that come just to socialize. You got the – like it's so many different things that happen at a high school football game that I never saw when I was young that now – I see as I'm eating my hamburger and, and, my, and my peanuts in the end zone. Yeah, it's it's an event for sure. And, you know, I think most communities are like that. I know there are some where it's not the biggest draw, but, you know, I took my daughter, who's three, to her first high school football game a couple weeks ago, and she loved all of it. But when we left, the first thing she said was, Daddy, one of the cheerleaders looked at me, and it just made her whole night, man. So it's so cool to see how those traditions keep going. You know, they, they're they're timeless in that way where you do bring people together and it's different in a lot of ways, but it's also the same. So did you play any other sports other than football? Yeah, man. So I, I, I ran track uh, through the shot, put the discus. I actually had to run the relay team at one point. Um, I was third leg on a four by one at 275 pounds, man. Two, 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 I, could, I could run. Um, 
I wasn't the fastest, but I mean, I didn't get embarrassed, put it like that. Um, half the basketball team got suspended at one point. And the basketball coach came to me. He's like, hey, I need you. And so I played <laughs> basketball. It, it was like it was like the highlight of, of, of my year because for like two weeks, I played high school basketball, man, and got to run out. And the gym was a small little gym. And there's 2,000 people in the gym. And uh, there's still nothing like walking out of the tunnel in football and the pregame introductions. But, man, I'll, I'll tell you, like when you're in a high school gym and, and you put the warm-ups on and they play the music and you run out of there and everybody's so close to you and everybody can see you, uh, that's a close second feeling, man. Yeah. What were your stats looking like when you got out there on the hardwood? Oh, I was did I, I was Dennis Rodman times two. A lot of rebounds. Uh, I did make a couple of free throws, uh, but yeah, I, I'm not a bad. Like you don't see many six one power forwards, in, you know, doing doing much in basketball. You're bruising. Um, all right, so tell me about some of the coaches or, or teachers who mold, like molded you, who uh, kind of brought you up through your high school football career, and you know whether it was something they did to inspire you or motivate you or something they did that still kind of makes you laugh to this day? Yeah, well, man, there were three or four, man. Uh, number one was a guy named Charles Murphy. He wasn't even a, a coach at the time. He was the former coach. Uh, when I was 14, he gave me my first job. And he, uh, I was a little barefoot kid walking down the street, and he pulled up. And, you know, here's this 55-year-old white man pulled up. Uh, saying hello to this 14-year-old kid. And I'm like, he's like, son, uh, he's like, uh, my name is Charles Murphy. He used to be the former coach. Like, he introduced himself. He's like, I need a little help. I got a little business. I need some help. And I'm like, like, man, I don't know you. Like, my mom told me not to deal with people I don't know. I said, but I live right up the street. I said, if you'll go and talk to my mom, and she says it's okay. He's like, as long as you're paying, I, I'll do some work. And so he introduced himself. Mom said, okay. And... He taught me everything about work that I still use today. Um, it, it's one of those things, Wes, man, that um, it, it continued to bridge the gaps in my life because I didn't have – like, my dad wasn't around. So here's this football coach or former coach who he, – like, he just poured into me, taught me how to work. Now, the first day, I only made 10 bucks. all right? Now, over the course of years, it got to be where I made, like, 100 bucks a day. And he taught me how to mow grass, taught me how to cut wood, taught me how to drive. Um, like on the, and, and I learned on a stick, not the stick in the floor, the stick on the stirring column. That's how I learned to drive old school, um, named Charles Murphy taught me everything I know about work. Um, my head coach at the high school was a guy named Don Easterling, old school. Um, he, he was the one who taught me about mental toughness. Cause Don was like, Hey guys, you got to earn the water break today. If we don't work hard, we're not getting the water break. Think about that. 1990. 596, 96, uh, 90, excuse me, 93, 94, uh, we had to earn water breaks. Yep. So, like, water just wouldn't just hang out. Like, we had to earn the water break. Let that sink in today in 2023. Yep. Uh, but it built mental toughness because I learned to push past limits where my mind said, I need X, and I just kept going, and I was fine. Um, Ken Blackson was our offensive coordinator. Uh, Ken also taught uh, typing at the local high school because most of the coaches are teachers except the head coach. And just developed a bond. Like, he was the first guy outside of football. Like, he invited me to church. 
um, help me get baptized, like all these different things, man. And to this day, he's my kid's godparents. Uh, and I, that started when I was 13, 14 years old. Uh, Mark McQuillan. Mark McQuillan was a big LSU guy. He was the offensive line coach. And early on, again, I didn't have a dad. My dad wasn't around. He would always talk to me and just breathe uh, positivity and enthusiasm into me. I, I'll never forget the first time he told me, he said, you got a chance to play college ball. Changed everything, man. Change, it changed everything. Not that I thought he was right, but he was the first person to say it. He was the first person to speak it into existence. And during the whole recruiting process, uh, even though he was a huge LSU supporter, um, never told me where to go. Um, always just said, keep your options open. And when I signed with LSU, um, he actually quit the local high school and came to LSU to be a, a graduate assistant. So he gave up a job making gave, gave up a job making fifty grand a year. Uh, and a few months later, he's he's a GA under Jerry Donardo, and he is drawing out cards, staying up half the night. He did it because he loved LSU, but he also did it just because I I, I think in some way he wanted to continue to follow me. Uh, so yeah, man, like those coaches, man, uh, Charles Murphy, Ken Blackson, Mark McQuillan, like those guys have poured a lot into me during my high school career, man. Uh, Ken is still alive. Uh, the other two have passed away. Um, Charles Murphy, he passed away too, but Ken is still alive. And so and we still play golf together all the time, man. So it's amazing how that relationship went from teacher, coach, student to now it's, it, it's more, I don't know. I'm not going to say father. Cause sometimes like he gives not, not like a, like he gives advice, not like a father, but it's more like brother, man. Like we enjoy being on the golf course. We enjoy competing. Uh, but it all started just around high school football. And man, it, it's amazing how, you know, when you're a kid, um, what we do at 13 or 14, 15 West starts to mold us into who we are. Yep. Because eventually when times get tough, you gravitate toward what you know and what's been successful for you. Um, and yeah, man, I, it, it's amazing just thinking about those times now, man. Those are special. Yeah, I mean, that's just such an important time for anybody. But for uh, for guys, man, it's, you just need somebody to see something in you sometimes that you don't know that you're capable of, and it can yeah. flip a switch. And that's uh, that's an amazing thing, you know, whether you know you're you're a father or, or not. Uh, it's just so cool to see what people can do when somebody believes in them. And I think you get more access to things like that when you do play high school ball. Got a couple more for you, and I'll let you run. Uh, what was the best moment in your high school career? Um, it was probably the first time, man, that I, I felt major disappointment. Um, and it was all wrapped in one. So my senior year, we made it to the state semifinals. Again, we had 37 guys on the team. We played both ways. We're going against a powerhouse from South Louisiana. And because of how it shook out, we got to host the game. So the entire town shut down. So we got 10,000 people in, in our stadium that probably only seated 7,500 counting both sides. We got 10,000 people. I mean, it's, I mean, it's wall to wall and we're playing this powerhouse. That's probably got, they probably got seven or eight D one guys, another four or five that went D two. Uh, so it's a pretty good team. And there were, we have four scholarship guys on my team, four, uh, four. And that's it. And, um, I had never seen our town galvanized like that. 
because it's 10,000. Again, it's 10,000 10, people in the stadium. Our town only got 3,500. So people came from everywhere, man. Um, and it, it was cool. It was the first time, Wes, that I, that, that I can remember seeing the quote-unquote richer people, the black people, the white people, like everybody just – like it was we're, – we're all rooting for the Winsboro Wildcats. And it was an amazing time. Uh, we uh, were up by five with 25 seconds left against this powerhouse. And I'll never forget, um, we ran what essentially amounted to the old buddy Ryan 46. And, and so it was an old bear defense. And so we, you know, we played man coverage um, and they ran a, they ran a, a reverse. And the defensive end, his only job was to get upfield and get outside. And he didn't get outside to reverse the reverse score, and we lost. And Dang. the next game would have been for the state championship. And it was so like that was the best moment, and we lost. But it was the best moment because it was the atmosphere, and it gave me a glimpse into what it could be like at whatever school I chose. Mm -hmm. And to go from th like that environment. To walking out of Tiger Stadium, man, where at the time it was 95, 93, 95,000 in Tiger Stadium. Uh, I got that feeling first that night in, in Winsboro. Uh, amazing feeling. Again, we lost, uh, but it was the precursor to kind of wanting that feeling a lot more. Yeah, just a little preview. Yeah. Last one for you. Taking me back. Give me some songs that you used to listen to in your pregame mixtape to get motivated for the game. Oh man, probably nothing that's going to resonate. Um, <laughs> that's all right. Uh, there was uh, there was always a, a feeling early on of I wanted to kind of take a nap, and so I used to listen to um, a little R. Kelly. That's probably that probably goes against everything we we believe today. <laughs> Uh, I used to listen to that, and then and then you know the song that most people uh, probably listen to today, man, Phil Collins. You know, um, you know, look a, a little Phil Collins when he said, I, I, "I've been waiting for this moment all my life," and it, it's amazing how music and how words um, can psychologically get you thinking a certain way. Like I, music is one of the greatest things alive because it can literally fool your mind and take your mind to places that you couldn't ordinarily get there alone. Uh, so yeah, like feel night even to this day, man. Um, like even when I w w was doing football games, college or pro, man. You know, right before you know that red light comes on, I used to have Phil Collins on the phone, man. I've been waiting for this moment all my life, and. Um, I miss those times, man, being, you know, being in the stadium, those fun times, man. But I, I try to live through some of these young guys now, man, because, and I try to tell them this is the like these are the most fun times of your life because you get to play football. The ramifications aren't like life changing and you develop the, the people, the friendship that will carry you for a lifetime, because anytime you play football going forward, you are playing for. I mean, let's face it, in college football, you're playing for NIL money. Mm -hmm. All right. Pro football, you're playing for more money. Like high school is the only time like you're genuinely playing 
for like the love of the game, man. Like when, when you start out as a freshman and a sophomore, nobody's thinking, man, I'm going to be the number one quarterback in the country. Like you're just playing because it's fun. And I, I do miss those times, man. That Phil Collins is still relevant. It yeah. has uh, staying power for sure. And everything you just said, man, that's why I do this show. Like I love college football too. My team just won back-to-back national championships. It's fun, but there is kind of this movement where people are starting to get a little jaded by all this NIL stuff and trying to figure out where it goes. And I still love that high school is just – it's still pure, man. You just yeah. go out there and play, and, and that's what it's all about. I will say, man, I, I hate that you uh, missed the NIL train by a few years there. You could have had a good sponsorship from Kleenex. I, 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 Kleenex or Popeye's chicken one because we used, there used to be a Popeye's uh, chicken that had a, a a buffet on Sundays. Think about that. And so after the yeah. games, the O line and D line would go over to this Popeye's. And needless to say, after about a month, they changed the rules. They they no longer had a all you can eat Popeye's on Sunday. Y'all busted them, Booger. Uh, uh, we we, we crushed find them. you throughout the week, man. Yeah, man. Just you, know, you can you can catch me on, on on Saturdays on ABC. We got the biggest college football games, man. And if you want to get your NFL fix, uh, NFL primetime, me and Chris Berman on Sundays, seven thirty on ESPN Plus, and then Monday we kind of combine the two. We do like we do this show called the Monday Blitz. Just debuted last week, um, three o'clock on ESPN, and then throughout the week, sometimes you'll catch me on Get Up or First Take, man. Just Always talking ball on Twitter at ESPN Booger. Um, easy to find. Uh, always, uh, always watching. Sometimes don't comment, but very easy to find. Hardworking dude, man. I appreciate your approach to everything you do. Fun to watch, and uh, thank you for coming on today. Catch you soon, man. In, anytime, Wes. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you having me. Thank you, Booger McFarland, for shedding light on the delicious and blessed. Frito pie. It is tasty. Love to hear how Booger looked back on his high school career and even playing in Death Valley, playing high school ball. This was still what gives him the electricity when he thinks about that perfect high school football crowd and atmosphere. Booger McFarland's a busy guy. I appreciate him taking some time out to talk to me, to talk to y'all. We have more guests of that ilk, of that caliber coming up as we rumble through Go Fight and Win this high school football season. So make sure you lock in. Have this show in your queue every single week. Don't miss an episode. And join us as Go Fight and Win updates every Thursday on all platforms. Other than a... Hmm. Other than a Walkman. If you got a Walkman, you're out of luck. But if you listen anywhere else, you can probably find Go Fight Win. So do it. Lock it in. You go. You fight. We all win. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.